You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avtsan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, here on Soul to Soul. It's good to be back. I hope you've had a good week, and may we all merit to see in our lifetime goodness and happiness. Thank God. My wife and I were blessed a week ago with a baby boy, and just yesterday we had the bris. And bringing another child into the world and the joy that comes with it and the community and the love and the beauty of it. I just want to wish every single one of us that we should all have good events in our lives, happy simchas, reasons to be joyous, and peace for all of us and for all of Israel all over the world. So today's topic is not hard to uh, choose trying to prepare to, for the show, we're standing four days before Shavuot, before one of the three mega holidays on the Jewish calendar, Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. And although it's the least known of the three holidays and maybe the suffers from middle child syndrome, in many ways it's the most powerful because it's on this day that we became a nation. Passover is when we received the potential to become a nation. Pesach is when we were taken out of slavery, which is step one. You can never become a, a person of growth and value and impact if you're enslaved to somebody else. But that is only step one in the in the process. But the second process of taking upon yourself a way of life or moral code is the second and most important part of this journey. And Shavuot is that time. It's that time that we all stood at the mountains over 3,300 years ago. 33 and 30, to be exact. So it's 3330 years ago where we stood at the mountain and we said, Na seven Ishma, we will do and we will hear. And we took upon ourselves this moral code. And although it's a topic that has been hashed over a million times, it still deserves our attention. There are certain topics in our lives that deserve focus. And that is how important it is for each and every one of us to take upon ourselves a moral code, to take this moral code to Torah. In today's world, more than ever, but I guess maybe that's why it's more than ever, because so many have dropped the value system and the behaviors and the ethics and the emotional responsibilities that Torah puts in on us. Today, more than ever, we need those values. By now, after thousands of years of attempting every other meshugana, every other crazy value system that's ever been invented on the face of the earth, and having seen where it takes us, we should be able to finally embrace and out of love, not out of fear, but out of love and out of an appreciation that it's the best value system there is. We should be able to embrace the incredible gift that God gave us 33, 30 years ago at the foot of Sinai. The ability to have moral clarity, the the ability to know what is right and what is wrong, the ability to study God's wisdom and to be able to take our minds and shape it 
to think, to shape our hearts to feel the way God wants us to think and the way God wants us to feel is an incredible opportunity. But all too often, the second voice within us, that sound that's, that wants us to be indulgent, pleasure-chasing, convenience, free of responsibility, that voice within us often pulls us and gives us a narrative that says, who needs all these rules? Who needs the Torah in my life? Well, I don't need it. I don't need this value system. I could live absolutely happy without it. And then we come up with new, almost pseudo-ideologies, imitations in order to make sense of our lives. We come up with these interesting ideologies that we can live with. But ultimately, there's one Torah. There's one Creator. And the simplest way of thinking of it is like this. If God created heaven and earth, And if God created the human being, and God then, by extension, knows the human being better than any human being will ever figure themselves out. In other words, no matter how intelligent Freud or Jung or all the other psychologists are, we can all agree that they will never understand the human being with the same depth as the creator himself. I mean, I think that's, that, that's so common sense, but often we don't think of it. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? We figured out the human being. First of all, there's a million different opinions in psychology. So what is the, the ultimate truth? But besides the fact, who more than an infinite creator who formed the human being in their image and blew into their nostrils, Nishmat Chayim, a soul of life, who more than them, more than him, can know what is good for us. And this creator of heaven and earth, 2,000 years after he creates the world, he comes down and he makes a special event in which he shares with the nation a moral code, the, the Ten Commandments, and by extension, the 613 laws. And all the wisdom that came with it that Moses learned at Sinai. And God says, this is the manual for how to live. I know the human being and I know that you need this in your life, says God. Like it's, it's, it boggles the mind how we could often lose focus. I'm saying we as in, including me, including all of us, we lose focus from the simple truth. And that is, if the creator says that this is what's necessary, then that's what's necessary. Imagine you are Toyota. Not you're driving a Toyota. You were a Toyota. You're a, you're a car. And um, you're a petrol car. That's the way the creator of the car made you, that you work on petrol. But one day you woke up and you have a new mood, and that is you want diesel. You think that diesel smells better or it just makes a better noise and a better feel, and that your diesel friends told you that diesel's good for you, so now you're going on to diesel. And the owner of the Toyota, the, the creator, walks over to you and says, listen, buddy, I know you're thinking that you want diesel, but I created you. And I'm telling you, diesel is not going to work for you. It's going to destroy your car and it might even cause a fire. No, I know what's good for me. I know what's good for me. Please 
mixed out of my life. God, the creator of heaven and earth, created us. He knows our complexities. He knows our weaknesses and our strength. He, he knows us. He created it. But the product only works optimally when it comes with a manual. Like the bad old joke of the, the mother who gets a Mother's Day gift and it was a talking parrot. And she calls her son a week later and says the chicken soup has never been better. You had a parrot. Why did you turn into chicken soup? In other words, the parrot is there to be used for something. When you use it correctly, you get the benefit. When you use it for chicken soup, then you get very, very little and very primitive and very silly benefit out of the its ultimate potential. God is saying, you want potential out of the human being? You want to maximize yourself? Here, take this manual. Learn it. Act upon it. Teach your heart to feel the feelings it, it encourages to feel. Bring it into your life. Adapt its modus. And then you will find inner peace and inner serenity, and you will fulfill your purpose on this world. It is so easy to forget the simple truth that the Creator knows what's good for us better than we can ever imagine. It's such a simple truth that while I'm saying it, I'm actually thinking to myself and saying, how can I ever forget that? But I do, because I have another voice inside of me, just as every human being does, which is chasing pleasure, which is chasing uh, just what's comfortable and convenient and easy and fun. And that voice within me, that entity within me, helps me forget this basic truth, and that is the Creator knows what's good for you. And he gave you, at Sinai, he gave you this manual. Take it, live it, breathe it, and fulfill your potential. This is Rabbi Levi Apps, an associate Rabbi Linksfield Chill here on 101.9 Chai FM. And now we will be playing the 20 past the music. This is Oy Rebbe by Jonathan Scheinfeld. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avzan, associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here on the Farbringen show just four days before the tremendous Yom Tif of Shavuot, the holiday of Shavuot, the giving of the Torah begins. And the proverbial elephant in the room sometimes deserves a discussion. And that is, okay, 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 we heard you. Okay, the first 10 minutes of the show was all about how important it is to have a value system, and the Torah is an incredible value system. But almost inevitably, when this conversation comes up, then the counter-argument and the elephant of the room is, Rabbi, we know many religious people who aren't ethical. So if the book of the Torah is supposed to bring people to be better, why do I know so many people who are far from great who are keeping the Torah, and nevertheless are not good people. And there are a gazillion different approaches, and I'm sure every single rabbi that's heard the question has their answer, and the basic answer is that, yes, there are many, many people, even within every movement, that are difficult, but the percentage of people who live a decent and healthy and normal lifestyle in when they bring in Yiddishkeit into their life is much higher. And having grown up religious and having grown up in a very, very intense religious community, 
I could be the first one to sit there pointing out its faults and its weaknesses. But having been around the world and seeing the contrast, what happens when people don't have a value system like that and don't buy into the, the worldview of Torah, I would have to agree with that opinion that says that despite all its faults, and despite what I want to talk about in the next few minutes, just merely bringing on the religious moral code and ethics that it comes with can take an average person and make them just a bit better and help them make better choices in their life. For example, when you have the Jewish value of marriage, and you see marriage not as a relationship of convenience or two people who merely fell in love, but rather two people who obviously have an attraction to each other, but more importantly, they share a common value, and they both believe in the ethic of marriage, in the commandment of marriage, in the righteousness of building a Jewish home, those people have a much higher chance of building a healthy marriage. Proof in the pudding is... The percentage, the percentage of people who build a marriage based on principle rather than on feeble, weak emotion, the the statistics show it has a much higher chance. Yes, is there divorce in the religious community? Absolutely, but not nearly as high. And then the counter-argument that comes and says, oh, most of the religious people are not happy in their marriages, and they're only staying in because um, of stigma. That's nonsense. I'm sure there's a few people staying in because of stigma, but most of the people I know and the, the marriages that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded with are, are beautiful marriages. Are marriages perfect? No, but an imperfect marriage is not a reason for divorce. And it's not that they're staying in for fear of stigma. They're staying in because they believe it's a, it's a fight worth fighting. It's a building worth persevering. And, and it's worth it. Leaving that all aside, how is it that so many people that adopt the worldview and are still far from perfect? There's a simple answer, and that is not every one of us who walks around with a yarmulke on our head or a beard or a, or a shaitel on the head or keeps Shabbos or whichever standard we are, not every person that considers himself from means they've bought into the entire Torah. Let me explain. If you want to split Torah, the, the, the Sinai Code, into three, there's the mitzvahs of the mind, mitzvah Shep and Mayach. There's mitzvahs of the body. There's the mitzvahs that your physical body needs to do. And mitzvah Shebelev, the mitzvahs of the heart. So a mitzvah that's in the mind is very simple, studying Torah. In- intention. The knowledge you need to have. A mitzvah of the body is also very simple. What to eat, what not to eat. What to drive, when to drive. Um, Tefillin to put, light Shabbos candles, and a big bulk of Judaism, which is halacha, the way of life, in what to do, what to say, etc. But if I'd have to argue this point, and I'm sure there will be people listening that will disagree with me, there's the third part of Judaism that often gets neglected and doesn't get enough focus, and that is mitzvah shebelev, or in the words of the 
great Rabbach Yevon Bekuda, he calls it Chovat HaLevavot, the duties of the heart. And my most incredible, the most incredible introduction of a book I've ever read is the introduction to the book, Duties of the Heart, written a thousand years ago. And you literally think it was written in 2018, in which Rabbach Yevon Bekuda, and you have to understand, a thousand years ago, this was the 10th, 11th century, You'd think that everybody got it all right, but he says, he says, I, I'm, I'm living amongst the community. This is before Maimonides' time, just understand. I'm living amongst my community, and I see a tremendous focus on the do's and don'ts of Judaism. I see a tremendous focus on the knowledge of Judaism, but I do not see a focus on the emotional parts of Judaism. And then he goes into a whole essay about whether he's the right person to to do it. But ultimately, if he's not going to do it and he's going to wait for his book to be perfect, then no book should ever be published because no book will be perfect. And he goes through a very lengthy argument to prove how fundamental these mitzvahs are. And he talks about various mitzvahs, the mitzvahs of trust and faith, etc., etc., so let me give you an example of a mitzvah that often we don't think of as a mitzvah. Let's see if Craig, Craig, do you know that it's prohibited to hold a grudge? Yep. It's a, one of the 613 commandments. It's a biblical commandment. It's not like a nice, uh, sweet little thing that was invented in the past hundred years. It's a bib- biblical commandment. Lay sitar, do not hold a grudge. Another do not hate your brother in your heart. Now, let me ask you a question. Do religious people have faribles? Yes. But the faribble is not an act of religiosity. Because if the person bought into not only keeping Shabbos and kosher, but they bought into the entire worldview of Torah. In other words, they bought into the hardest part of Judaism, and that is controlling your emotion. Then you would see the effect that religion has. Unfortunately, many people, and I'm not talking about other people, I'm talking about myself, I'm talking about the, 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 the human condition. We, even when we buy into Judaism, we'll buy into the other two. And I'm going to say again, I'll, not sure why I'm in a, this kind of mood today, but it'll go a bit controversial. I would say that between the three, the hardest is the Tchavis Alavavis, the duties of the heart. In other words, to study Torah is incredible, and it's, it's Talmud Torah connected Kulam, Talmud Torah corresponds to everything else, and it's incredible. But ultimately, we're not asking you to sacrifice your your human um, traits. You could study Torah and still have an anger. You could study Torah and still be jealous, and still hold grudges, and still be condescending, and self-righteous, and hateful, and spiteful. You can do all that. You can put on tefillin every day, and you could keep kosher. And you could keep Shabbos, and you could go to Mikvah and do all the commandments, and still be a very difficult, inflexible, uncompromising person. But it's not because religion has failed, it's only because the person has only bought into two of the three facets of religion. In the words of ethics of our father, the, the world stands on three. It stands on action, it stands on, on work, and it stands on kindness. In other words, you need that, that middle one, that work, working on your character. 
if a person can claim to be religious and be angry, now of course I'm saying we, we all have weak moments, but can not work on their anger, can keep on being angry day after day, week after week, that means they have not bought into the religious worldview. They bought into a part of it, wonderful. But they have no right to then be a representative and they have no right to then be judged as a person who's bought into the religion. You want to see what religion can have an impact on a person? See a person who has adopted all three. See a person who studies with adds much passion the laws of Shabbos, the way they, they study the laws of love. That they're as meticulous in the way they talk to their spouse than they are in the laws of putting on tefillin. Then, only then, can you see the impact that religion has on a person. And it's the hardest of the three. And maybe that's why it doesn't get focused. And maybe that's why often you'll go hear lectures and rarely will you hear about le- the, the, these ethics. Yes, there's a, there's a, many people do talk about Lashon Hara, which is one of those commandments. But again, even Lashon Hara is what you say. It's an action commandment. But what about what you feel? Not only Lashon Hara, not only a bad tongue, but a bad heart. How often do we talk about the evil of having hatred in one's heart, looking down at another person? How often do we talk about what emunah means, what faith in Hashem means, bitachon, trusting in Him? The unity of God, the, 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 the meaning of life, all these deeper things which are in the heart. How often do we talk about chayves alavavis, the duties of the heart? And I believe that there's a bit of an imbalance by many of us. The three pillars of our life are not necessarily as tall. We're walking around chasing, uh, you know, each what we call a chumrah, a new standard in Yiddishkeit. But when it comes to other parts of our Yiddishkeit, when it comes to the emotional parts of Yiddishkeit, we're lacking. As we upgrade the other parts of our religion, we have to upgrade that as well. I'll give you another example. How can you be religious and be disrespectful to your parents? It's one of the Ten Commandments. It says to respect them, be in awe of them. You cannot interrupt them. You cannot talk condescending to them. You can't even correct them unless you do it in specific ways. You have to get up from your chair when they walk in the room. So, yes, it's very nice that the certain individuals walking around and claiming to hold the mantra of religion, but when is religion, when can religion be seen as an, a true package when the person adopts each of the three, the duties of the mind, the duties of the heart, and the duties of action. And it's funny because very often people will say, Rabbi, I'm not religious, but I'm a good person. But if that's true, and if you are a good person, then that is religious. You love your fellow as yourself, that's a commandment. You don't hold grudges, that's a commandment. You treat your spouse with dignity, that's great. You might not practice other parts of religion, but the mere fact that we call religiosity based on only the actions of the hands, not the actions of the heart, is a flaw. 
Now, the reason we do it is because it's very hard to see whether it's in somebody's heart. So therefore, it's much easier to judge a person based on what they do, because that is visible to all. I don't know if you're a hateful person. I don't know if you're a spiteful person. I don't know if you're a resentful person. I don't know if you don't respect your parents. But I do see that you wear the garb. I do see that you keep Shabbos. Oh, you're religious. But that's just one facet of religion. When we stand here and celebrate in four days the giving of the Torah, we are celebrating the entire package. All three elements. The incredible ideas of Judaism, the incredible actions of Judaism, and the incredible feelings that Judaism encourages us to feel. There's thinking like a Jew, there's doing like a Jew, and then there's feeling like a Jew. There's a way we feel. Faribbles isn't Jewish. Not talking to your sibling for 20 years is not a Jewish trait. Disrespecting a, a parent is not a Jewish trait. Treating somebody who's different without the same equal respect is not religious. Not trusting in God and believing that God will give us what we need is not an act of religiosity. That package needs more focus in our lives. It, we need to rebalance within our life the Judaism to make sure that as the other parts are growing, so is the third part. Because that will define us as a human being. And that is the hardest of the three, but that's the most transformative. Because if I could change a character trait, if I could take a trait, for example, let's say I struggle with anger. And I could work on it every single day to slowly but surely win it over and be in control of my anger rather than my anger controlling me. That is an incredible act of religiosity. And then and only then can you stand from the outside and say, "Can does religion make people better? When you buy in the full package? Absolutely. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. Think about it. I want to continue the conversation we had before the break. By the way, you can WhatsApp us on... Zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. You can email on air at chayfm.com or SMS at three four five one nine. So I want to continue this conversation. Think about what is the Jewish world lacking today? Now you would say from the three things we were talking about before the break, um, the knowledge of Judaism and the emotional um, responsibilities of Judaism and the actions of Judaism. Yes, in many ways, we're lacking in all three. But if you had to choose from the three, which one we're lacking the most? Think about how many people have come back to religion in the past few years, including in this beautiful country of South Africa. How many yeshivot, how many places of study, how many people are going to shiurim around the world? How many people have are studying everyday Torah? Incredible. Incredible. How many people have bought into the actions of Judaism, whether they're putting on tefillin every day or a few times a week, they're keeping Shabbat, etc., etc., they're lighting Shabbos candles, whatever standard they are, they're giving charity. How many people have bought into that? 
But at the same time, how many people are, are – in other words, would you say that Judaism right now is suffering from an abundance of love? Would you tell me that we love each other too much? No. It's the third pillar. It's that element of the emotional responsibilities. Chayvah Salavav is the duties of the heart. It's that part that's lacking more than the other two parts. We're learning and we're doing, but we're not loving each other enough. And there's too many grudges. And too much disassociation between parents and children. How many parents do we have, do I know in the community, who cry to me and say, my child became religious and they don't talk to me again? And yes, I'm sure there's two sides to a story. But the parent does not have a responsibility to honor their child. The child has a responsibility to honor the parent. And we have a comment over here who says, what if your parents and siblings don't honor you? or Judaism for that matter. That's their duty, but ultimately you have to honor them. It's the person who buys into the religious moral code who has to stand higher than people who don't. Once we take upon ourselves the the mitzvahs of God, the commandments of God, we have to expect of ourselves to stand higher. We have to pick up our own standards. A person who buys into religion has to realize that now I have to buy into the whole package, or at least the emotional part. I have to become a better child. I cannot run around claiming to be religious while I don't respect my parents, whether my parent made choices that I like or not. According to Jewish law, you, a child who was born illegitimately in an illegitimate relationship, a mamzer, has to respect the father. How much more so than most of us, the issues with our parents are not that severe. How can it be? How can it be if we've bought into Judaism that we can treat our parent a certain way? How can it be that we cannot talk to a sibling or be faribled with our former partner for 20 years? If every single night when we say Shema, Part of religion is we say Shema every night. And in the introduction to religion, I believe it's page 288 in the Arts Girl, you say, Rebbeinu Shalayla, Master of the Universe, I forgive every single person for what they've done to me, whether it was physical, whether it was financial, whether they affected my honor. If I'm religious, then that is part of religion. Every moment I hold a grudge, I'm transgressing. Every moment I steal and I'm not honest in business, I'm transgressing. So how can a religious person be dishonest in business? They're not religious. Or at least a big part of religion is not part of their life. Yes, they might put on tefillin. Yes, they might even be super duper so-called firm. But if they could be unethical in business, that means an entire part of Judaism they've not bought into. It's not Judaism's fault. Because if a person buys into Judaism, it is impossible to be unethical in business. It's impossible to be faribled. Or at least if we're faribled, we'll feel guilty about it and we'll try to overcome it instead of justify it and think that it's correct. Judaism expects from us an incredible high standard in every area of our life. It says, greet every person with a smile. 
If you don't, that means there's a part of the religion you didn't buy into. Now, fine, each one of us is on our own growth pattern, but don't judge religion based on the person who's greeting you with a frown. There is no room in Judaism to greet people with a frown. We all have our weak moments, I get it, but that's not what religion demands of us. And all too often, we, those who have taken upon ourselves religion, we have to, we forget that we are ambassadors and people are looking at us and saying, do, should we buy into this worldview? But if they see us to be not nice, if they see us to be disrespectful and condescending and self-righteous, then why should they ever want to buy into that worldview? Why would your parent ever buy into Judaism if ever since you've bought into Judaism, you've become obnoxious to them? You want people to follow your way of life? Show them how good it makes you as a person. Torah was only given to make peace in the world, our sages teaches us. And if the Torah that you are learning is not bringing peace in the world, it's not bringing peace in your family, you have to ask yourself one question. How are you doing it wrong? Because it's not Torah's fault. Somehow, in the way it's being translated in your life, or the parts you're focusing on and the expense of the others is compromising the message. Because Torah is there to bring peace. And if Torah causes friction, it's not Torah. Because Torah says that we have to be better people. And Torah expects from us an incredible standard. And we have to ask ourselves one question. Each mitzvah we take upon ourselves, is it making me a better, nicer, softer person? If yes, then great. If not, you have to ask yourself one question. Is this the religion? We... we, thank God, are living in a time of incredible return to Judaism. But we're still not in the time of tremendous love. And the temple was destroyed 1948 years ago because of one thing. There wasn't enough love. So which of the three pillars would I will I be working upon myself this Shavuot and which one would I encourage you to as well? Maybe the pillar of the heart. Let's become better people. And that's not something independent of religion. It's the religion itself. It's the core. It's the fundamental. In the words of Hillel, our great sage, love your fellow. Don't do to others what you don't want done to you. And the rest is commentary. Here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Rabbi Levi Avzan, and here to wrap up the show. Every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon, this is the Farbringen show. And I want to finish off the show with a tremendous blessing. We should all be blessed that we should bring Torah in our lives. We should bring the Torah into our life through joy and to internalize it into who we are. That Torah should not only be a perspective, but it should be a way of life. 
The sages teach us that the word Torah means instruction. Torah tells us how to think. Torah tells us what to feel. Torah teaches us what to do. Torah is there to transform our lives, to make us nicer, softer, better people. There is no room for hurt and broken relationships when we buy into this worldview. Nobody can say that there's too much love out there in our communities. No one can say that there's too little judgment. Unfortunately, there's a bit too much. A bit too much self-righteousness and judgment. And we all struggle with that. But this Shavuot... Let's stand there at the foot of Sinai the way the Jews, the Jews stood there all those years ago. Vayichan Sham Yisrael, Neged Ahar, the Jewish people rested around the mountain. Keish Echad, Belev Echad, like one person with one heart. Because the only way to bring Torah into your life, the, the prelude to allow the other parts of Torah to take you over is love. In a heart of love, Torah can find a healthy and eternal abode, a place to stay. Let's work on each other. Let's work on ourselves, rather, to love each other more, to forgive, to not hold grudges, to treat each other with dignity, to compliment more than criticize, to see the good rather than see the bad. And to just bring more love into our communities, into our families, into our societies, into the world. Wishing you and all of us a Chag Shavuot, a Chag Sameach, an incredible, beautiful, happy, and meaningful holiday. I hope you come to hear and experience the re-giving of the Torah. Each year we're told that when we read the Ten Commandments on the first day of Shavuot, that's this coming Sunday at about, I'd imagine, nine thirty, ten o'clock in whichever community you are. When you're there and you're standing and and the, the Balkorah, the person who's reading the Torah, is reading the Ten Commandments, you are experiencing the Sinai experience all over again. And you then, you and I have the potential of allowing it to impact us and transform our lives and finally buy into religion. Have a wonderful, great week.